0: But yeah, my name is Matt, and uh, yeah, I'm powerless over marijuana. No doubt about that. Um, and alcohol, if you want to know a little bit about my story, I can tell you that, too. Alcohol, I'm actually uh, white-knuckled uh, from drinking alcohol for uh, over 25 years before I started before I picked up marijuana, and that'll be part of my story tonight, but, uh, and you may want to make some notes, and for anybody who's out there who wants to make some notes, I might give you a nugget here, uh, or a little jewel here somewhere along the way, so especially, uh, maybe those that are early in recovery, so make some notes, that's one of our tools, tools of recovery, I'm just going to refer to different stuff in our book, Life with Hope, and Different little tidbits uh, about recovery. That's that's worked for me. But uh, um, and just so you know, just chronologically, I'm 63 years old. So uh, that's uh, that's where I'm at, and i uh, you know really experienced a, a lifetime of uh, addiction in and out of addiction, I guess. And uh, my that's my belly button age or birth, yeah, 63. I've been in recovery from uh, marijuana addiction for uh, three years and two months and a few days. That's when I first started attending MA. Um, So, yeah, you know, first time that uh, I got drunk, I was probably 14 or 15. Um, I didn't know how to drink. Um, I had access to every kind of alcohol, liquor that you could have, and I just drank myself basically into a coma almost, uh, yeah, just a young kid, just, just went crazy. And, um, so the reason I bring that up is I was sick, physically sick after that for probably three days. I I vomited all over the place. I'm mean, gonna vomit in my bed. I vomit all, you know, I was vomiting on the floor. Yeah, it didn't sound too good. It wasn't good. But I mean, I was 14 years old, 15 maybe, and uh, yeah, it was nasty. Every single muscle in my body was sore. I mean, sore. I I was sick as really sick as I can ever remember being in my life. The worst possible flu that I've ever had. That was the sickest I've ever been, and because of that, I didn't ever want to drink again. I was scared to drink. I was really terrified to drink again. So for a couple of years after that, I didn't drink. And this is you know teenage years. I did not drink, but I did find you know I did pick up weed. Smoke and that was, uh, you know, a different era, but it didn't really matter. I used marijuana, um, and that was a substitute for me. And it gave me, you know, drugs and alcohol just gave me kind of a sense of, you know, connection and belonging. Uh, I grew up in the suburbs, and, you know, this was in the suburbs of the Midwest. And um, that was part of, our, part of the culture then, especially the area that I lived, drugs and alcohol, really very common, widely used at that point in time. Um, Bureaucrats, administrators, educators, they didn't know what to do. It was pretty out of control. And I just, that was my connection uh, to my peer group. Um, I did eventually start drinking slowly again and and had plenty of years of multiple substances. It didn't matter. Weed, uh, alcohol, and all kinds of different Chemicals and that's you know, it's just whatever would work or whatever was available and and that's That's the way it was and um, It didn't do me you know It didn't help me, um, but I was you know, I think I was born You know my DNA Has chemical dependency uh, in it or Addiction There's no doubt in my mind uh, my Father was an alcoholic uh, My mother was an enabler uh, They were good people um, but sick they were sick and I was the youngest in my family and through my teens I was the only one at home my brother and sister were gone and uh, and so in my teens when I was in my rebellious uh, addiction years and my father was spiraling out of control with his own addiction it was pretty confusing, and my mother was, you know, she was lost too. She was a good lady, but really didn't know what to do. And um, she was trying to fix everything or make things work, and it was It was painful. wasn't painful. a good time, but uh, I know others in this program have experienced the same thing. And um, so, it, you know, and, and my family was, you know, by all means – Functional as far as you know, the outside world was concerned. I'm sure, but um, that's um, that's just the way it was. You know, I my heritage and, and I and I figured this out early on. I mean, from a um, heritage, physical heritage standpoint. You know, my my family goes back into Europe for hundreds of years, and I am absolutely certain that addiction. Has been part of my family's history for since, since the beginning of my family. Just, it just, it's just the way it is. I've seen too much addiction in my own, my own family. Meaning my father, his siblings, his cousins, my cousins. I mean, it's unbelievable. All the way back as far as I can go. It's, it's just been, a, it's been, and it's been. Some have been able to mask it and deal with it better than others. Um, Some have died young, some have, um, you know, just been totally, you know, upside down, including myself. So, yeah, you know, and so I'll give you a little nugget here. Uh, If you haven't ever heard Dr. Callaway, Dr. Callaway's really cool. And he goes, we have a tape. uh, Dr. Keller giving a speech, uh, talk at one of the conventions, and he's a pretty amazing guy. But you know, one of the things he's, you know, he said is that kind of stood out to me is, you know, people that are addicts, you know, we're we're of higher inte- you know, a little bit higher intelligence uh, maybe than the average person, and we never, never experience endorphins. I think that's kind of weird, but. You know, looking back, I've been real physically active uh, most of my life, and I've only can remember one time experiencing endorphins from my physical activity. So I'm just throwing that out as an endorsement to listen to Dr. Kawa. He's really cool. He's funny, uh, but he's got a lot of good information. And the other thing that I could mention that uh, I would like to point out or recommend to anybody to read is... Um, let me bring it up just a moment. I think it's called About Marijuana Addiction, but I want to give you the, yeah, it's called About Marijuana Addiction. That's written by a doctor. It's available on our homepage at ma-phone.org. Go over to the right-hand side, and you'll see standard readings and links, and that's one of them, uh, About Marijuana Addiction. So that gives you kind of the, the physiological side of it, so that's where you get that DNA stuff I'm talking about. But I knew this. I understood that I was from a family of addiction in my teens. I knew it. And you know what? I just had the efforts. I didn't care. I really didn't care. And somehow I got a high school diploma. I don't know how. I really don't because I didn't deserve it. It was a different time. And I guess some of my teachers must have thought I had some potential and during high school, I kept it, uh, I had some pretty good years, and I won't go too much into detail. I mean, as far as there's a couple years uh, I was, had dated somebody, and uh, that kept me kind of grounded. But um, that person, uh, my girlfriend that I was uh, very fond of, uh, ended up moving at the uh, end of my junior year. And between our junior and senior years, we went to different schools, but we we were close. I felt close. And she was a big part of my life, and she did keep me grounded. And so I, in my senior year of high school, I just went off the deep end with uh, substance abuse. Uh, it didn't really matter what it was. I, was, I wasn't I doing it. Um, so <clears throat> let's see where I'm at got some notes here Uh, I was just I was really rebellious uh, really a pain in the butt to my parents difficult for you know any adult I was just really difficult and uh, just yeah that's I was pissed off I was critical I had no filter I was I was just a real pain Um, and so one of the advantages of getting my high school diploma, believe it or not, is I could, it automatically at that time got you into a state-funded college. So I stayed out and worked out a year out of high school, and then I went to college. My parents weren't doing real well they uh, financially, but they had enough to send me to school. My father had started a business and didn't do well, and his uh, alcoholism was just getting worse and worse. But nonetheless we had an agreement my grades are decent you know we'll continue to pay so I came home my first year of college and boom my parents said we're selling the house we're moving basically you can be on your own we'll help you but you're on your own so that was an expectation I had an expectation in my life and here it was an expectation that just it imploded on me. I was like, what? You know, I just, I, and I was I was beside myself. I didn't know what to you do. Know, I was just totally expecting to go back to school. Uh, I had done okay. Uh, I was maturing a little bit. I was still doing a lot of drugs, uh, no doubt about it, and drinking, smoking, everything, you know, anything, again, nothing different there, but I was somehow, I was able to be functioning and get through school. I don't know how I did it, but I did. Um And then, that's you know, dealing with expectations, I guess, is a point that I just, for me, that I want to make is I'm learning now in recovery expectations. So um, that can lead to disappointment, and it can lead to anger and resentment and bad feelings. Instead, I need to just, I'm learning how to have hope instead of expectations, because really expectations is expectations of others. and I can't control other people, places, and things. And that's in our book, Life with Hope. It's not life of expectations. It's it's life with hope. And that's what I have now is hope. Um, Hope for recovery and hope to be a better person. I'm not a... I'm learning that I'm not a human doing. By that I mean, I'm not about my accomplishments. I'm just a person. I'm just a human. I'm a human being. I need to learn how to learn how to be as a person. And another nugget here is I've kind of picked that up from something outside of the program, but uh, it's a it's a film or a kind of a documentary that I really like and. I'll just pass it along because I've suggested it to a couple other people in the program. It's called Inner You, Outer You, and it's on uh, Amazon Prime. Inner You and Outer You. It's about two hours long. You can break it up if you want, but wow, it's really good. And it does have a lot of things uh, related for me at this point to recovery. So, yeah. I could like tell people what to do so that's it and you know, I even make suggestions anybody's who been around me knows me that I like to uh, be in control and I'm trying to learn how to do that because I can't you know again can't, can't control other people places and things and that's new to me that's been new to me I'm getting better slowly in recovery um, uh, understanding that and it, it's good to understand that I, you know I can't Change the world can only change myself. So I have to be in acceptance <clears throat> and I'm learning that too. The to hope, as opposed to expectations, uh, learning how to uh, understand that I can't control other people and can only change myself. Pretty important things for me right now in recovery. So back to my story a little bit, and I'll finish up here on the history. Uh, So I got myself back together, and guess what? My sister pulled me up and said, hey, come stay with uh, me. Her and her husband had a small little student apartment, uh, and they said, we'll let you stay with us until you get your feet on the ground, and they did. So that's my point is people pulled me up when I have hit some hard times in my life and i'm so thankful to them and my sister and her husband wow uh, they really did help me out but um so i did got a job and muddled through i eventually and i was bitter man i was pissed i was bitter i was angry I was. Most of my friends, their families were paying for them to go to college, and they were living pretty good life. And here I am. I mean, I'm busting my tail, working forty hours plus a week, nights, weekends, and was miserable. And I was just, and I was, and I was uh, abusing drugs again, just big time, drugs and alcohol. And uh, eventually got to the point where I was making enough money and had enough seniority in my job where I could. And a schedule, and eventually found my way back into college. And uh, I don't know how I did it, but I ended up getting, getting through college. And I was partying a lot, working a lot, and I was in a pretty tough, tough program. And somehow, I was able to just—I think it's—I don't know if it's higher power or not, but I'm still kind of amazed at that. But by the time my point is, by the time I finished school, I had hit bottom big time from alcohol, drugs, and I was burned out, totally burned out. And I was just so glad to get through college and I was celebrating hard. Um, so, finished up, got a job, and bam, I hit bottom from that because I just got. I. I did get a job. I was during some really tough economic times and very difficult to get a job, and um, I was just lucky enough I continued to work for the same employer in different capacity, and I was uh, I was totally lost, totally lost. I had moved uh, down to the southeast, the area where I live now, and, man, was I, I just was on the deep end. And drinking, I was taking prescription drugs. Uh, I wanted to get off the prescription drugs. And, you know, I went to a doctor and, you know, tell him that. And he's like, here, I'll give you a replacement for the, you know, it's just, it was a game. You know, I was messed up. I needed some help. And uh, I didn't know where to get help. Um, I didn't, yeah, you know, I was just too screwed up. But so I ended up basically losing that job. Which was a coveted job. I basically walked away from it in my alcoholism, and that's um, what I ended up reconnecting with my high school girlfriend. And wow, that was uh, that was higher power. Okay, I was amazed. I hadn't been in touch with her for probably seven years. I don't know. It's been a while. It had been a while. I was really surprised she wasn't married, and she's a good person, really, really good person. And um, she took me in, kind of, you know, I was just beat up. she took me in and said, yeah, you can stay with me and try to get your feet on the ground. And uh, so I did. I mean, I didn't really have any choice, but I, I just can't believe she did that. And uh, I kind of made a, I made a commitment at that point to get cleaned up clean myself up. I needed to do that I could I was gonna die if I didn't didn't do that I was gonna die or kill somebody accidentally. So I quit alcohol it took me a little while, but I, I ended up quitting alcohol. I quit uh, smoking cigarettes, which was nasty, and I'd always been a big goal of mine. But I was highly addicted, and I quit taking drugs, doing anything. And I I just went through a big change, metamorphosis, as I would would call it. And uh, it wasn't easy, but I just did it, and I white knuckled it. And uh, I didn't know anything about it. I just all I thought was I'm I'm going to break that pattern, that pattern of addiction in my own family. I'm going to be the first to really break this pattern, and that, I thought I was doing the right thing. I you know I, I really did, and I didn't know how to, I still I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. I was still I was verbally. We ended up getting married. And I was I was verbally abusive. I was critical. I was really difficult to live with. I was irritable, impatient. I uh, blamed others for small, you know, small problems. I was edgy, easily annoyed, sarcastic, and pissed off. Man, would you like to live with me? I mean, my God, I'm serious. I mean, for 25 years, I was just an animal. But I thought, I thought I was living, I was, I was clean. And I thought I was living, you know, like I was, I thought I was living sober. And I was just living in absence. I didn't, I mean, I really didn't know it. I was lost, still. So, yeah, the disease of addiction was still with me in my behavior. You know, physically I might not have been, but emotionally and spiritually, spiritually I was. You know, I didn't have any. I I, I wouldn't say I was spiritually bankrupt at that point, but I was. I wasn't connected because I was. I was just. I don't know. I was too angry. I was unhappy in in absence. I mean, I really was. I didn't really wasn't able to enjoy my successes that I had. I wasn't able to uh, love really like I really wanted to, or be loved. And um, I got into a career, uh, I think it, op, an opportunity came up, and Higher Power gave me that opportunity, and uh, it was intense, but, and it was difficult, and I was very controlling, and I was, you know, I was extremely controlling. I was, had to dig the business out from underneath, and uh, it was tough. It was, it was tough. It would have been tough for anybody, but it was tough because I was white knuckling. One day, some, uh, a person said to me uh, at work for me, she said, Matt, you know, it's really not what you say is the problem, it's, it's how you say it. Not what you say, but how you say it. And that was like, wow. She was right. She was so right because I had a good heart and a good soul. I just, my emotions were screwed up. I didn't know how to communicate with people. I was really good at what I did, and I I could empathize with my clients and understand them, but I still was just really a mess. But I thought I was sober. So eventually, you know, yeah, I was I was just a very controlling manager owner of business and uh, ended up retiring early, and uh, which I kind of had planned, but here we go again with the expectations. I had certain expectations. Yeah, I was like, oh man, this is going to be good, and damn, some unexpected family drama just turned it upside down and you know what normal people could probably deal with that okay and I, but I wasn't still even though I was living in I wasn't sober I didn't know how to deal with it so I think uh, I asked Amy if she would read the uh, set aside prayer if you do that Amy, for a minute, and then I'll just kind of regroup and finish up. Okay. God, please set aside for me all the things that I think I know about you, me, the 12 steps, recovery, and especially spiritual matters, so that I may have an open mind for a new experience of all of these things. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate that. So yeah um, all right so here here we go I get in retirement and um, I have these expectations, not hopes but expectations and the unexpected comes up and just slaps me upside down. It really did and that's when that's when I spot that's when I got back into addiction. First, just you know, first I just I just smelled weed, you know, at somewhere a couple times, and had a little bit of a contact buzz, and then guess what? Someone offered, someone got me, gave me a, a joint, and then someone offered to get me some weed, and it was I was off to the races. I was just bam. I was headed down that rabbit hole. Big time. And it did start slow. I mean, at first it was somewhat measured and controlled, but then the frequency of using marijuana just it just picked up and steadily where, you know, I started out, you know, maybe just using, you know, a couple times a week, two or three times a week at the most. And then it started being, you know, slowly. It Well, it got to... You know, four or five times a week, and then every every night, and I I would get trashed. I wouldn't get. I mean, I would get trashed. I was wasted, no doubt about it. Um, maybe it was it was it worked for me a little bit in the beginning, maybe a little, but it, you know, uh, addiction for me is progressive, so it didn't take long until I. It really did until it, I became. Uh, Obsessed. I was so obsessed with making sure I had enough weed. Um, You know, just when am I going to smoke? Where? How? Uh, You know, how can I deceive my spouse? Uh, It was it was terrible. It was was horrible. Made me feel bad about myself. I fell apart physically. Uh, Physically, I, I my Especially towards the end, I mean, my you know, it was just nasty. My teeth were nasty. I was afraid to. I mean, I knew the dentist that I went to, and people have heard me say I was embarrassed. Man, I was embarrassed to go. I wasn't sleeping well. You know, when I was using, I slept really badly. I, I wasn't. Yeah, I just and you know, I'd go to bed and I have a little light ringing in my ear already, just from a little bit of uh, tind- tinnitus. They call it. It's pretty common. When I would use, man, and I'd lay down at night and I just my ears would ring. I was like, I was in hell. I was, you know the pattern, the pattern of addiction, the obsession. The, I was enslaved. It was, it was just horrible. And guess what? I I would pray that God, just every night, to relieve me of addiction. I I honestly didn't know what to do. But I, I found myself, in this, you know, those last 90 days, I just really had a lot of THC in me. I was sick as a dog. And, I mean, my nose, I, my nose hurt really bad. I, I just knew for sure my nose would never get better when my one of my nostrils. I had stopped jogging long, you know, early in, early into my usage. I was depressed. It wasn't working for me and I was still using. I mean, how crazy is that? I was insane. It tells us that in, in our book. Again, life with hope. Not life with expectations, life with hope. So, you know, spiritually, I was bankrupt too. Yeah, right there in step one, I was spiritually bankrupt. I mean, I, everything in step one is just. So I can so identify with that, uh, and really everything in the book, Life with Hope, is amazing. So anyway, I just, I did I just wanted, I didn't want to deal with reality. I didn't have the mindset, the emotional maturity to do it, and I became withdrawn. I was self, like self-centered, self-will man. I was just all about me. Nothing to do with uh, higher powers, will for me or anything else. And then. Uh, Yeah, I didn't know how to sort out my emotions, really negative and delusional. So I was the same old, basically screwed up person that I was when I thought I was living uh, a life of sobriety when I was white-knuckling. I just did a lot of damage, and I'm not proud of it at all. and what's cool about recovery, and I'm going to get into the recovery side here quickly and finish up, is, you know, I have a chance. I've admitted that I'm powerless over marijuana. You know, it's pretty obvious my life was unmanageable. Here you go to step one. Um, you know, I was willing to go to any lengths to recover. I was that sick. I was done. I was done. I was just like, I'm done being sick, I got to get some help. So I did, I I got on, my wife uh, asked me just to look at Marijuana Anonymous. I got on, looked at it, and I read the 12 questions, and I said, man, guess what? I thought I was alone, There's some people right there. Wrote that, and I was like, okay, okay, somebody, somebody understands. Somebody's been there, and so I made a promise to go to a, uh, a meeting and I did that, and my recovery's been slow. It's been real slow, but it's been steady, and that's that's what's worked for me. Um, just you know, using the tools, going to meetings. That's in our book, and it's our book, Like With Hope. He you know, tells you tool, you know, about the tools, writing, going to meetings, fellowship, working with the sponsor, doing the steps, There might be one or two other things in there, but it's in our book, Life with Hope, and that's my point is our book, Life with Hope. It comes from the AA book, big book, and it's modeled after that, but, you know, it's pretty much everything I need. It really is. And if I follow that, that that roadmap that, man, these people that came and put that together, I can't thank them enough because they gave me a chance to live a life in sobriety, a life with hope. And um, you know, when I get now, when I get in trouble, it's when I when I want things to be different. So I've learned to learned acceptance. I've I've learned how to accept things, and nice. it gives me peace, man. I've surrendered. I'm willing. You know, it's it's a whole different thing for me. Uh, you know, working the steps. I, I've had three sponsors. I've got a third sponsor right now, and that's fine. That's okay. That worked for me. Uh, I didn't have to have one sponsor. You know, the first one helped me start on the steps. second one helped me finish it. And the third one is, you know, is really helping me understand what it's like to live life as a human being. And uh, really nice. Uh, you know, and NUTS, uh, just real quickly, I'll mention a couple of things. NUTS, not using the steps. That's an acronym, NUTS. Um, not using the steps. So that's what I didn't do when I was uh, white-knuckling. And I hadn't been exposed to AA, and I went to AA a few times, and guess what? I was too arrogant and defiant to get a sponsor and work the steps. So I white-knuckled it all those years, 25-plus years, miserable. So my message is it's, it's totally unnecessary to do that. And I wish I would have known that. wish I would have understood that. It's okay. I understand it now, and I'm so thankful for that. The steps is working. The steps has just been it's been that roadmap, roadmap to recovery. Now I can now I can take daily inventory. I can pray and meditate. I can do service. Those are the maintenance steps, basically. I can maintain now. So you know, the steps gave me basically the option to, you know admit I was powerless to accept a higher power which I, I was that's pretty easy for me but you know what I heard somebody on the line I'll finish up in a minute to mention this and this in my book life with hope again you know think you know if you have for people that have a hard time thinking of uh of higher power what it is love how cool is that love love is higher power you know if you have a hard time with under you know accepting the higher power love Cool. Just there. Now I'm learning now to have compassion and to um, love people unconditionally instead of being sarcastic and belittling or judgmental. Those aren't easy things. That's that's work for me. But I get all those opportunities from working the steps. So I get my higher power, I clean house, doing the four-step, and people sit on that all the time. I don't know why. We read a story the other night that, you know, higher power, I mean, four-step. It was suggested by the sponsor. This person wrote the story. you It know, shouldn't take more than an hour. It shouldn't take that long. I, I didn't sit on mine that much. I didn't make that big a deal of it. I just did it. it just wrote it out. And, and I was willing to share it with somebody. So I was cleaning the house, man. I was getting rid of some of that stuff, just recognizing it. And then I then I you know, my character defects, all those things that I've already mentioned, my self centeredness, my self will, all that well, how cool is that? I can you know, I can turn that over and then I can maintain what a blessing. What a blessing. It's just you know, it's a miracle. And so um you know, it's slow, but, you know, I'm three years old, and uh, Andy gave me a card the other day. It was for a three-year-old, and that's so appropriate. Really, You know, last year, two years, I was like a toddler, still kind of trying to figure shit out, and I'm still doing that. I'm still trying to figure stuff out. But, again, I'm a human being, but I'm living in sobriety, and i so thankful for that, and... There's uh I'm gonna finish up now. Is there's a I've uh, always like you know I like music, and uh, this has nothing to do with MA, But I just it just came to me and it, it was a, just a, a line from the song, and, and it goes. And I am not gonna sing it. I'm just say it uh it goes like uh, hey Mister got a roadmap, I'm kind of lost, got to get to Georgia tonight. I don't care what it costs. I've been down in Denver jail for four long years. I'm so lonesome, I could die. Thank you to all the people in this fellowship and the people that rode Life with Hope. Wow, I love all of you. That's it. Thank you.